I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Varney. Making macho again in America, Mike and Deglio. Way back in high school, most every night. What the hell did I just say? There was no TiVo. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat and stream it on The most macho podcast about the practice out there. Boston, you have my wife beater. <laughs> and welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast. We are going episode by episode through David E. Kelly's Emmy Award winning show, The Practice. So I want to start with one question. How did that intro go for you, Dex? I don't know what what I've what drugs I've taken today, but that what is going on in that I, brain of yours? I inverted words. I flipped the script. It's it's been a crazy week, Keith. Yeah. Well. Uh, likewise. Yeah. So you are are you are you, so you're in rehearsals now before you go to uh, was it Greenland? Yeah. I go to. I'm going to Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Newfie, as they say. Uh, the, to then to Greenland, which uh, apparently we're buying. We're buying, but yeah, great. Yeah, and then to Quebec, and then to Montreal. It's a short little week stint, but I'm being paid handsomely. I'm getting a free vacation, and I have to sing one night. Now I, that that all sounds amazing. I I do have one question about the itinerary. Okay, because you, you know, like Newfoundland and Quebec, then Greenland. I th- and then back to Montreal. I believe we're starting in Greenland and then like working oh, okay. our way. Okay, I was gonna say like I, you know I don't know about like the efficiency of the schedule whether that's the right idea. It's a, a luxury liner, uh, the Seaborn Quest. I believe it's only four hundred or so passengers. It's gonna be a should be a very highfalutin situation. Oh, lo- oh, you're gonna be on. Uh, you're gonna be sailing. Actually, you know what? That's true because if you're if you're going from Newfoundland, you sort of just go straight up as opposed to over, right, to get to Greenland? Yeah, and it's bar- I think we're barely moving. It's very slow because it's a nine-day trip, and it's very, I think it's slow and luxurious. I'm not sure if we're even getting, I imagine we're getting off in these various places. I hope so. Um, but it's just a giant yacht, basically. The, the, wow. The Seabornes are always really nice because they wait on you hand and foot because it's for sort of the wealthy, I would say. It it sounds like it, yeah. yes. Which I am not of, so it's nice to visit a different universe that I am not a part it's, of. It's nice to pre- nice to pretend to be rich every once in a while. Yeah, I felt that. I I flew first class once in my life, and I was like, oh, you know what? Uh, between being rich and poor, rich is better. Oh, rich is absolutely better. We <laughs> on the opposite end of that. Well, not it has nothing to do with really rich or poor, but getting back to my roots. So this past weekend, I sang at that. Make America Macho again show that I had referenced last oh, week. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, in- <laughs> Meanwhile, like, we're getting a pretty extensive cameo from your cat right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> she is all about this new setup on the desk. And so I was in Boston this weekend, and it was like the Fisherman's Feast, which is this huge Italian festival 
down in the uh, up in the north end of Boston, which was so cool, man. It was like pl- some place my dad would bring me in Philly growing up. All kinds of Italian shops and meats on sticks and cannoli stations and thousands of guys in Boston wearing, you know, their Boston their Patriots gear, which I, I, I thought Tom Brady might be there, but he was not there. Wasn't there? Tom, where were you? Uh, the, lots of Red Sox gear. It was it was pretty it was pretty fun. They they really they were really nice to us and they took good care of us, uh, even though I had to, you know, not let them know my disdain for their actual sports teams. But well, well, you know, look, I I share some of your disdain, but you know, as a as a Boston Bruins hockey fan, hockey is always going to be the one that attracts like the nicer folks, which is why they probably weren't there being macho. Explain to me one more time how you could possibly be anti-Patriot, right? anti-Red Sox, and then... Uh, oh, no, baseball doesn't exist to you, right? Yeah, ba- I, I, I'm not sure... Like, I don't consider baseball a sport, so, like, I don't really have to take sides on, like, a leisure activity. I'm not sure that saying baseball is not a sport is not taking sides, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it. Uh, but ha- because you were, there was no other hockey teams up near you, so you just the Boston was the closest. Uh, well, no, Vermont. Vermont is sort of split between Boston and Montreal, obviously. Uh, so, from a from a technical standpoint, I grew up closer to Montreal than to Boston. Um, but obviously, I'm not going to be a fan of the Evil Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean my my family, my father and my grandfather were Bruins fans, and they were just the right team. Now my problem is my hockey fandom took a detour through your neck of the woods. That's right. You, in were, Philadelphia. you were a Flyers fan for quite a. I think it was the. I was a Flyers a he- fan. He- Hextall was it that was your or Je- no? It wasn't. Well, I loved Hextall. Claude Giroux. Claude Giroux. No, that was after my time. No, it was because the uh, the first and to this point only Vermonter ever to play in the NHL, Eric Lindros, John Leclerc. Oh, Leclerc, John Leclerc. So I used to watch him play at the University of Vermont, and he played high school hockey. You know, just one of the rivals of my high school. And so uh, when he when he was in Montreal, I rooted for him, and then nobody else on the team. But when he went to to Philly. I could sort of get on board with that at that point, and I wasn't as much of a hockey fan then as I as I am now. I don't think that's medically possible, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I adopted the Flyers, the the Lindros, and um, Recky was there, and Eric Desjardins, and uh, Brenda Moore. It was a, it was, it was a Rick great team. Tockett was playing yep. back in my day. So yeah, no, that was those were some real fun days. Uh, Keith, do you hear the sound of people unsubscribing? I really do. I was going to be like, and here's your sports ball talk here on the Out of Practice podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> I apologize for all the sports ball guys. You really uh, get... you really knocked it out of the park with last week's description, by the way. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, that hasn't even gone up yet. Well, guys, we are an episode ahead. I know. We're going to have never two happened. in the can. Two in the can. Uh, just it's... like last week. They had a few in the can, in fact. Indeed, indeed. So uh, look forward to the episode. Well, no, don't forward, because when you listen to this, it will already be the past. Yeah, we didn't even have to reference that. You just kind of brought everybody on a time we machine journey. We have opened up a temporal vortex, and there is our first Star Trek reference. Well, let's finally stop gabbing about nonsense, because we have some very important work to do, and that starts 
with talking about March 9, 1998, which was the day that Season 2, Episode 22, Another Day, aired. And that brings us to everybody's favorite segment. This Day in the Basement. So, March 9, 1998, what were you up to? It was a cold, brisk day in the Philadelphia area. And my brother and I were in the proud ownership of one of the most sort of uh, cult classic consoles entitled the Sega Dreamcast. Oh, okay. The Sega Dreamcast was abruptly halted and ceased sales of all games and consoles at one point. But we had our hands on one. And Why did they do that? Because it just it wasn't it, it wasn't just was doing a, well. It was a dud. It was a dud. It was like their first big swing after the Sega Master Collection, uh, Master System, and all that stuff, the Genesis. But this was their next big swing to go up against the Nintendo. I think I believe we were ninety eight, so we're probably talking, Super Nintendo. No, I think we're Nintendo sixty four at this point. Oh really? Yeah. Regardless, I remember it specifically because around March ninety eight. We, my, so my brother and I still enjoyed when we would go to arcades, one thing we like to do together is to play rail shooters, which is like uh, those light gun games, Time Crisis, oh, things like that. Right, sure. They still have it's them just like, at the moon. Uh, we're talking over but, each other. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> you go. I'm interu- you, know, you know, it's me. I'm interrupting your day in the basement. I'm going to shut up and let you talk about rail guns. So you see, you still will see rail gun games to this day. Like when you go to the movies or to a, on the boardwalk, you know, they have the Jurassic Park game or it's usually a zombie shooter of some sort. Sure, sure. So there was this particular game that we fell in love with in the arcade known as House of the Dead. It was this bonkers off the wall zombie rail shooter. What we loved about it was it was created in Japan and then ported to America, but I think they still used Japanese voice actors to do the American dub. So the game itself was insane, as most Japanese media is, but the voice acting and the translation was even more insane. So it was just complete bonkers. For some reason, we would feed quarters into this thing and try to beat it. We never could. All this is to say that in March of 1998, House of the Dead was released on the Sega Dreamcast. And my brother and I reforged a friendship over just destroying this game and laughing. That's what put you together. Laughing our asses off. There's this one line I'll never forget. This is just a throw out to my brother in case he listens. Uh, This like weird, creepy, like golem type monster comes up to you and like jumps at the screen and he just goes, suffer like G did with absolutely (laughs) no context. We don't know who G is. Why he suffered or why it it just as if we had read some sort of novel that it's great. It's bonkers. If you can somehow find an old arcade of House of the Dead, make sure to give it a play. Anyway, that was what we were doing. I'm sure you could. Well, that you know, that's that's interesting because my family also had one of the like weird, ugly stepchildren of consoles. But this was back, like, way back. So instead of an Atari, we had an Intellivision. Oh, I had Intellivision too. Burger Time, baby. Oh, we didn't do Burger Time. We done. We did. Uh, we did Dungeons and Dragons. Obviously, not not surprisingly. Uh, and uh, Snafu. Do you play Snafu? I don't know if that I know Snafu. Oh, that was super fun. And um, ba- like a battleship. I don't know if it was a licensed battleship 
version of it, but it was some sort of equivalent of that. And instead of like remote controls, they had those little pads, right? Those like touch pads. Yeah, those little pads, and you had to like slide the little plastic thing in to tell you what all the buttons did. Yeah, that was cool. And the rotate and the rotating disc. Yep, the little not like pong knob. Wow. And that was your game ball. <laughs> your game ball update. In fact, <laughs> we had sports ball, game ball. I think that we just coined the term pong knob, which I think I will refer to you as comedian and pong knob. Pong knob? <laughs> pong knob. That's tough. Pong knob. Interesting. Yeah, well we should uh, we should we should find that game and play something. That'd be fun. I actually have a uh emulator that runs I have all the Intellivision games right here on my computer as we speak. Oh, the Intellivision. Oh, fun. God, those were uh, those were early. Those were some early, early, those early, were early uh, days. games. It was right after Atari. It was like the 7600, Atari 2600, the Atari 7600, and then the Intellivision. Yeah. Well, it was it was the one where I, you know, like, I try to get my friends to come over and play, and they're like, what's that? Yeah, well, why, you have a Pong knob? You have a who? Keith, do you hear you all of the now? subscribers unsubscribing? Can you hear it? I can't. I can't. It's, it's getting really... Uh, we should throw some reverb on so we can feel like the the, the emptiness bouncing back at us. Um, oh my goodness! All right, well, I will. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to our wholesome Vermont and uh, talk about my this day in the basement because March, as I said last episode, I was talking about March is the beginning of sugaring season. It is also the beginning of mud season, which is uh, which is a season in New England. If you're from New England, you know exactly what I'm talking about, especially if you grew up on a dirt road. Oh no, which I did. And what happens after as the uh, the ice and the snow melts and the road has been frozen for months, it just turns your road into a river of mud with these huge ruts being uh, driven through it. And uh, I remember it was probably about this time that I once avoiding a car that was stuck in the mud on the other side of the road got myself stuck in the mud mm. and completely br- blocked my road because there were two cars completely stuck in the mud. And I was driving a minivan. Not good. The 87 Plymouth Voyager. And uh, the mud was so bad, it went up over the top of the tire. It was that deep mud. So you and, were, uh, you were I, quick sunk. It, truly. And uh, like it was the middle of the night. We had to go and... Uh, did I tell this story already? It feels like oh, you've told me... No, we were talking about it when I had I got a spare tire. I don't know we did it on the episode. Okay, good. Because <laughs> that's a really good way to get people to uh, <laughs> subscribe. Oh, man. Uh, anyway, it, it was the middle of the night. And I had to like... No cell phones, none of that. So I had to... Uh, knock on the closest house, which happened to be my social studies teacher, and asked to use her phone to get my parents to come pick me up and to call the town and tell them that, like, this road is impassable if there was a fire or something like that. It is literally blocked by cars stuck in the mud. Wow. So, that's what happened uh, in March 9th, 1998. But, before I got stuck in the mud, I had an opportunity to watch... Season 2, episode 22, Another Day. It was a uh, episode written by David E. Kelly, who's been on quite a run. I don't know how he's able to sustain writing this many episodes solo. Very impressive. And directed by... Oh, no, I'm out of order. We're not here yet. We are not here... Oh. 
Oh my god, it's the first time we've ever screwed up on the episode. I don't know, it's never happened before, but I think it's, it's a great time for you to play the bumper and now you have to sing the lyrics since you fucked up. <laughs> okay. No, no, that is that is entirely entirely fair. Uh here we go. I didn't know the cue. I didn't know what to do. I just kept talking and looking at my screen, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I'm this is a better podcast would be better. Wow, that might be. I think that, that went about that, as well as it does when you do it. Oh no, I don't know. I at least I finished with the melody. <laughs> Sometimes, kind of. Look, I'm not the composer of that song. I was merely the arranger. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Keith, can I take one more detour since we're on such a roll? Oh yeah, sure. I mean, Spe- I mean, if they're still with us now. Speaking of writers and composers of songs, this is a loose yes. segue, very loose. Oh, I had boy. the wonderful privilege, the honor, if I may, oh, do tell, to attend uh, a show last night known as Bad Out of Hell. Oh yes, I saw that at New York City Center, and I just want to say. It is so many things. You need to get yourself over there if you can. I really, yeah, I've been, I, I, I got offered press tickets and I was just like busy. Maybe I'll reach out and see if I can do it. Yeah, you should do that. I would very much like to see that. Yeah, it is a, ma- it is a masterclass in singing your face off and just speaking of out of the uh, uh, House of the Dead and just shit that is bat shit crazy. It is bat shit crazy. Well, and again, we are now going into like a 14th genre of podcast, <laughs> but, uh, you know, remember I saw Dance of the Vampires That's also based on all of Jim Steinman's music, which was the most batshit thing I've ever seen on the stage. So I, I would love to see if they can top it. You know, sometimes when things are kind of like bad or not great, uh, artistically, You'll see performers sort of like rolling their eyes on stage and and sort of commenting on the material. Right. Or you get people who are just just decide, you know what, we're going to commit a million percent. And the fact that they do makes you buy in. And so you just go with it. It was awesome. I was sitting next to Reeve Carney, who's like a guy. And we were rocking the fuck out. And it was <laughs> it was quite an evening. You know, uh, performers committing to garbage and hopefully people liking it just described what this podcast is. You're right. You know what? It was a meta commentary on what you're listening to right now, folks. Let's get back to March 9. 1998. Well, I can start off and we can listen to this while we're talking with a number one song, which I did not cover this time. Yeah. Uh, uh, This, of course, is Will Smith's getting jiggy with it. Speaking Would of terrible, speaking of terrible uh, art, what? What? this movie was shit. Wait, what movie was it? Isn't this a, oh, this is not Wild Wild West, my bad. It's not Wild Wild West. Uh, anyway, so you would be uh, listening to this in your Plymouth Voyager on your way to see Titanic again, which at this point you probably have seen Titanic a couple of times because it's still rolling as the number one movie taking in another $17 million. And uh, hopefully not while you were driving, you might have picked up a copy of the Burlington Free Press and read that McDougal dead at 57, who was a partner in the Whitewater Clinton scandal. So the continuation of the Clinton conspiracy, but her emails. Was this sort of the beginning of the Will Smith renaissance? The smith Yeah. I mean, 
I guess the question is, was he ever out in order to come back in? Yeah, I think like once the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air sort of went away, he sort of disappeared for a while and came back as a music artist with this, I believe. Right, but like, when did Fresh Prince end? You're right, it might so have carried So this was 98. Over. Yeah. It probably wasn't that far away. And then, let's see, uh, Independence Day was 99, right? Uh, I don't know. Possibly. We're just throwing dates around willy-nilly here. Get it? Wait, no. No, Independence Day was 96. Because I remember I I drove to that movie and saw it in the theaters, and that was a big thing for me because I just got my license. So maybe this was his return to music that I'm thinking of. It might. I think he was a big, fat movie star when this came out. Yeah. I don't know. A better podcast would look it up. That's true. But clearly, as demonstrated, we are not that. Okay, so circling back to when I had to unfortunately sing that song of my own failure and incompetence, (laughs) I was going to tell you that this episode, written by David E. Kelly once again, was directed by Arvin Brown, who also directed uh, NCIS, The Closer, Leverage, Everwood, and will do eight more episodes of The Practice. Now, starting a theme for this episode, he was also a Broadway director. And he was he's a Tony winner for the All My Sons revival, uh, nominated a couple of the times. He directed uh, Day and the Death of Joe Egg, and he was the artistic director of Long Wharf for a long, long time. So we have a we're beginning a theater theme appropriate to uh, <laughs> Bad Out of Hell. So that brings us to the beginning of this episode. Oh wait, no, it doesn't. Oh God, I I screwed up again. Hold on, hold on. I didn't remember that Mike sings a song. He got his guitar, and it can be wrong, because it's a podcast. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That went great. So, that brings us to my favorite segment, entitled... What does Mike think's gonna happen? Oh, my God! (laughs) You just sang that in C because that's what I put your song yeah. in. Because <laughs> it's gonna to happen. <laughs> I really don't know this week. Uh, IMDb is only giving me a thumbnail of Bobby McDonald, and it's called a, and it's called Another Day. So I'm guessing maybe after the crazy events of that giant murder trial that we just uh, lost. Yeah. I mean, Spe- if, if we are to believe that the wife did it, then yeah. a miscarriage of justice was done. Feels weird to say that. We're so, I'm so used to winning. Yeah, uh, well. Anywho, I feel like maybe we're going to get back to... Uh, back to We're going to try to get back to normal. Maybe Bobby tries to mend faces. Mend faces. Jesus Mend Christ. faces. <laughs> well, in my defense, he generally is mending his face to something. Or someone, if you will. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let's unpack that. How how if I wanted to mend my face on someone, what would that what would that look like? What would be my, my objective be? <laughs> you know, I thought you might just let it roll, but no, that's not your. You make me sing the song. You're right. Uh, so maybe I'm, I think it's going to be a, a week of getting back to normal at the office, and I think maybe maybe oh, I don't know. I can't even see. I'm trying not to look even at the guest star, so I really don't. No, know what's don't do happen. it. Don't do it. But another day, both capitalized another day. Maybe something that's been put off rears its ugly head back. Something that maybe we thought was 
in the past is gonna is gonna reemerge. Okay. All right. Well, let's rock and roll with episode twenty-two of the practice season two. I didn't say I didn't like it. It's just short. It's beautiful short. I agree. Rebecca I cut her hair. Ooh. It looks great. When you use a brick or something. They're gonna have a tough time proving you were after two. Oh, it's this guy again. My concern is it won't matter. I just wanted the money. Yeah, we're continuing. Hey, Warren. Perch snatcher. Warren. A jury the is a jury. You snatched a handbag yes. out of an old lady's hand, and they're going to want to put Michael you in jail. Sean Michael Howard. Hey, hey, hey! You got to take this seriously. Okay. All right. All right. Now wear a tie. Donald and Associates. Uh, Mr. Donald isn't available. Can it's I? an emergency. Okay. Your posse to get down here right I know that. Yes. Voice. Is that John Larroquette? I'll tell them. Yes, Joey. I got that. I'll tell them. It is. Welcome back, Joey Herrick. Yes. You to come to his place. Hey, zing for me. Something rears its zing for you. Well that done. Kind of, it counts, I think. No, totally. Well, not only did you tell who that voice was, but you correctly predicted that something from the past that was unresolved was going to come rearing its head back. Its giant, giant head back. It's that giant murdering, getting off with it head. Yeah. Speaking of heads, right by Jimmy's head in the freeze frame here, what is that I see? I believe that's a fan. Which we uh, no longer wait, have no, no, any no, no, no. of. It says it's an emergency. Yeah, emergency. <laughs> yeah, they went away a long Bobby time ago. Now? Tell Bobby. <laughs> I will, but you better get over there. Forget about it. I'm not going. There is no way that I am going. I am not going alone. You should definitely not go alone to Joey Harris. My house. New Year's resolution was to never lay eyes on him again. Just don't let him bait you. Yeah, you watch. He's killed he somebody. He lives in a warehouse, apparently. I, I love those apartments with, like, those freight elevators. <laughs> oh, the big lofts? Sure. All I'm going to say is, please don't judge me. Oh, I would never, Joey. No. You're too much fun. Well, he's got his hair has really let itself go. All right, where's Marty? Tell me you didn't kill Marty. He used to call that baritone hair Can you keep in, your mind uh, college. Not open, you hippo. Hey, listen, you psycho. Why'd you call us down here? It's Marty. He's not himself. Marty is not himself. Oh, though. Christ. He, he has pale. been stabbed through the heart with a knife. Just like his old boyfriend. Again, I ask you not to judge me. <laughs> so, he's a full-on psychopath. He sure is. What fun. So happy to have John Larroquette back. That was one of my... I think that's... I think Joey's first episode was definitely one of my favorites of the whole series so far. Speaking of revisiting past favorites, you know, we give so much... We give so much credence to the laser sounds that we've given short shrift, I believe, to the snake charming. We haven't shouted it out long uh, in a recent memory. That's true. That's true. And the the car horns going. This is us filling time over the practice credits. This is unbelievable. Two lovers and they're both dead? Hey. I'm not a flirt. Sounds like a country song. What the hell happened? You killed them? You first want to give me the big advice. Now, pause it right there. On the back wall is four giant (laughs) paintings of Joey. (laughs) It seems to fit. No, totally. Pretty much what's in my office. I killed him. I didn't mean to. I was trying to win an argument. You know, the last word can be so hard. You think just because you got away with it last time, you can get away with it whenever? This is a very casual conversation. I know that our voices are raised, but it's still very casual. 
And this is there's a dead body right he, there. He's like drinking a glass of wine. And uh, and PS those paintings look from like they basically taken from a still from Night Court. <laughs> it was like early Night Court yes. era John Larroquette. Sick, Joey. Aside from that, let's focus. Now last time I had a red herring to work with this time I don't. I'm the only suspect. And considering how lazy the damn police are, they'll just settle on me, won't they? They won't go search. They'll say he killed before, he did it again here. And they'd be right. Marty <laughs> is known for a temper. I mean, after all, we know he did threaten to kill Peter. And I caught a break here. He was holding that knife in his hand before it reached its final destination. So self-defense is viable. Also, we can't rule out insanity. I mean, <laughs> goodness, I go around killing people. <laughs> This is great. What's wrong with this guy? He's so much He's fun. Sick? Obviously. Anyway. Anyway. I'm starting trial tomorrow. And I'm in. Just tell me where to start. Uh, Raymond's at 10. I'm not expecting to get bail. Did he give any statements? No, and he's not going to. I'm going to move for fast, probable cause. Now, I need some research on prior bad acts. We need to suppress the fact that he's killed before. You want to know what the worst part about That's this That's your job, Jimmy. We could You're actually best researcher in the office. Again. We don't have to represent. Prediction time. Within 15 minutes, we're going to see a shot of Jimmy just, like, reading an old book. Oh, uh, fair, <laughs> fair bet. Why do it? Because. Because he doesn't know computers. We My other lawyer said come to you. He said you'd beaten them before. We settled. You know, Keith, you went on a whole tirade last the end of last episode because we keep having the same conversation at the end of every episode. The moral quandary. Why do we do it? Why do we get the bad guys off? Why? Why? Right. Why? I sure did. We yeah. always start the very next episode with, "Ah, oh, here's blatantly a murderer." Eh. Okay. What else are we doing? Yeah. No. No worry. You know, it's okay no, as long as at the, the end we're like, "Ah, oh, why? Are lawyers really good people? I don't know. Am I a good person? I don't know. Is the law wrong?" Cricket's haircut is nice. Up against the same lawyer, the same firm no, it looks you read. So, Mrs. Carroll, even if we could prove your son is addicted to cigarettes, I don't think I am. You've tried the patch, the gum. You can't quit, Jeffrey. My point is, even if we could prove addiction, we we can't really establish damages. Okay, we should now. Mama's trying to sue the cigarette companies because her teenage son smokes. She picked the right lawyer because we already got some money from those bitches. We sure did, and. Continuing our Broadway theme, that is Rondi Reed, who you would know from Mike and Molly, Masters of Sex, and The Astronaut's Wife, but I know from the original cast of August Osage County. What a fantastic Tony Award-winning piece. It truly was. Uh, I, I, I saw that with no expectations, and I just sort of like walked in, the, yeah, I'll, I'll go see a play. Sat way up in the nosebleeds at the Imperial, and... The show, it's three acts. It's about three and a half hours long. And I don't think I took a breath the whole fucking show. Two straight guys talking about Broadway. Broadway. She also was metamorable in Wicked. So there you are, Ronnie Reed. All right, Ronnie. Should we talk about her cigarette-addicted son while we're here? Not really. It's the only scene he's okay. in. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Will be if you keep smoking. You know, there are plenty of class action lawsuits you could join into. Law firms who specialize. I've been told. Master of the hard eye roll, Rebecca D. Cricket. Stole, I know this isn't much of a case, and I take responsibility for some of this. A good parent should be Number able to steer of the scene. his There's son another away hard from eye roll. cigarettes. But they have to take some responsibility too. They advertise to make smoking seem cool. It just isn't right, and I just can't sit back and ignore it. 
Even so. Could you for the record just look at the file? His I name is it. Flynn Warner. And he has two credits. This and an episode of Freaks and Geeks. Sure. God, I love Freaks and Geeks. All right, so why is All Rebecca so pissed off about that? Did the defendant have reason to know they were tourists? Objection. Overruled. Your Honor, hey, we know this judge. No He's back. Oh, wait, same case, that's why. Plus, the question assumes facts, same case. not in evidence. Overruled. Being from out of state doesn't automatically make somebody a tourist. So did we just not even put a dot 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 no ellipses at the end of the last episode about this case we just left it dangling well i believe that's what a continuation of a story is miss brunt i've overruled you three times do you want the bailiff to get involved plant yourself back in that chair so he seems so nice. i guess a quick recap for myself and the uh, the viewers who are still with us so tom <laughs> brady and your brother thanks for hanging yeah in. basically He's snatched some purchase purses, but the they're ma- they're cracking down on people who are stealing from tourists, and so they want to make a example of him and are putting him up for like twenty years or something like that, right? That's right. That's right. It's a it's a new law defending commerce. Uh, so separate from his purse snatching thing, which he uh, did settle. That's settled. This is a separate charge for affecting commerce. Well, notice that Eleanor has come to court today without her chair brooch. Yeah, what's going on? Mm. She had two straight episodes with the chair brooch. We have not heard from Cameron on what the chair means, but I feel like it probably, you know, it's it's funny. I was like, I was like, oh, make a big joke of this, but it's probably something like deep and personal and <laughs> we're like shitty for uh, for wondering. But I, I really am curious. Oh, no, Keith, we are shitty for so many other reasons. <laughs> Why stop? Officer. Did the defendant ever rob a person that was not from out of state? Those bangs are epic. Last year, he accosted a woman named Marie Teacher. Right. In that case, upon discovering she was a Boston woman... Objection! This goes to my client's state of mind again. The objection is overruled. How can this witness speak to intent? He wasn't even there. Counsel. Plus which, intent to affect commerce isn't even an element of the crime. One more interruption. Eleanor's going to prison. Contempt? Please be seated. This court is now in session. The Honorable Seymour Walsh presiding. Seymour Butts. Seven two three one four. Commonwealth versus Joseph Herrick. Murder in the first Boo. degree. Robert Donald for the defendant. Your Honor, we waive reading. Ask for probable cause as soon as possible. Bail. Your Honor, we are asking that bail be denied. This man has Skylar White. Before. He Skylar White no still there. Series regular. He's an extreme threat to society. And, and the judge is played by bail. Albert Hall, probable returning as Judge Seymour. Ten o'clock. Next. Wait, that, his name is Judge Seymour? His name is Judge Seymour Walsh. Oh, okay. I, I saw the name tag Walsh, and I thought that we had uncovered a mistake, but we have not. No, no, you just needed to see more. Butts. Mm. <laughs> you get the honors again. <laughs> now I know that there's a God. I have been praying every night I'd get this guy back. We're open to a plea. That's true. She was the person That's who got out Fox the first time you know, Joy was there. If I lose this case, I am going to run through this building absolutely naked. Okay. Uh, fair, sure, great. I got a kind of a, a kind of a crush it on. It is important that Anna you go. say nothing. The question is: Sure, why not? Is it possible? Can you go a day without opening your mouth? Let me see. No. You think I'm kidding? They may plant an informant in your cell. 
They're not adverse to pulling stunts. They'll get you any way they can. Even now, they could be listening. So what's the plan? I think they moved too fast on the arrest. They got over-anxious. Probable cause. Well, that was interesting, then. the way they're doing the sound tomorrow, here. You have to keep your mouth shut. Yeah, they're doing... Well, it, it makes sense cannot, from a from a sound cannot, design standpoint. Let's unpack that because that's that's case. actually re interesting because those are the type of choices that uh, my brother and my uncle had to make. If the camera was on the far side of the glass, we heard the lo-fi sound as it was coming through the tel to the telephone. So you processed it by cutting out whatever hertz difference between regular audio and telephone audio. But if we were on the same side of the glass, we heard regular audio. And it's just like those little decisions like that add so much to the realism. Right, but I think what the, a kind of distinction that between what the sound editors or designers have to decide, because that's the right choice to make in the edit cut. But then when the final cut's being made, you'll notice in that particular scene, we only heard Bobby speak from his side, so the hi-fi audio, one time. Right. And so the cut felt weird to me as a viewer because we only heard it once. So we were getting the like the lo-fi audio, lo-fi audio, one cut to hi-fi, and then back to lo-fi. Yeah, well, you know that's that's where the audio uh, designer, the sound designer, is at the mercy of the director, because you know they have to be true to what we're seeing on the screen. They don't choose the cuts. I'll just try one shot, Lindsay. One visit with the professor. God, it can't hurt, Rebecca. Can't hurt. Last time we Rebecca is high fashion this episode. That sweater, you know what? On point. That hair, if that on point. Addicted, why shouldn't they be held responsible? And off we go. One okay, meeting. so she's clearly on fleek, is what the millennials say. No, they don't. <laughs> Nobody says that. I'm not. I, I heard somebody say it once. Yeah, you just did. I think an old person complaining about young people said that once. <laughs> but, <laughs> but here's my question. What is Rebecca's problem with taking this case? She got a problem with every case. Right, but again, this is like, it feels very inconsistent with her character because, like, we call her Rebecca D. Cricket because she's on the moral side of so many of these things. But in this case, like, she doesn't want to spend money going after a tobacco company? What the hell? worth a try yes especially since we and got gajillions from them the last time tourism very right. much so people don't want to vacation places where they don't feel safe after rental cars were targeted in florida european tourists stayed away in droves it cost the state millions and millions of dollars do you have any direct evidence that my client has affected commerce not evidence directly to your client, but crime in general, yes. It crime in general. And do you have any evidence that personal... All right, we're going to do two of these back to back. I can't... Guy giving testimony! Oh, I thought you were going to say Very the second one. That, oh, oh, my God, I just I just talked over you again. It's like, all I want to do today. All I want to do... That is Jonathan Emerson, who you know from The Young and the Restless, Ray Donovan, My So-Called Life, Fresh Prince, and Night Court, appropriately. And just so that, because I keep forgetting to do it, I know that lawyer from somewhere. Eleanor's opponent is played by McNally Seagal, who you would know from Grey's Anatomy, Sons of Anarchy, Secrets and Lies, X-Files, Murder One, Ocean's Eight, and Pleasantville. Keith, have you ever watched a 
modern sitcom, not sitcom, a modern soap opera start to finish? Like one episode? No. You know, me neither. I, I, I truly haven't. Now, someone make the argument that th- watching professional wrestling on occasion counts, so I'd be guilty there. And also, I used to watch some reruns of Dark Shadows from the 60s, which I believe that was a vampire. Te- was technically yeah. a soap. Yeah. But out... I mean, it. it's tough. It's hard out there for a soap pimp. <laughs> it, it. I mean, it's. It look. It employs a lot of a lot of our friends, and and we like it, and that's great. But yeah, it's not something I'd spend an hour of my life doing. I'd rather podcast like to no one for no anything. reason. Objection. Sustained. <laughs> but isn't it the publicity of crime that really has the most direct influence? Yes. And does purse snatching get a lot of play in the media here? Not to my knowledge. And to your knowledge, has any crime ever committed by my client been reported to the press? Objection. Relevance. Sustained. Your Honor, the charge here is that my client has affected commerce. This witness is the one saying that he has. The witness is not testifying to the media. The objection is sustained. Judge Halpern don't like Eleanor. Sure doesn't. Mr. Samuelson, has the prosecution paid you for today's testimony? I've received a small stipend for my expenses. And would that be more or less than they've paid the judge? Oh, snap! And Eleanor is going to jail. Damn! This is, I believe, our third uh, regular cast member to be behind bars so far, this uh, series. All right, is it going to be Eugene or Bobby that comes to get her is the question. I don't know. Kept me in well, apparently nobody. Hours. They just what let her out after a while. the deal? The judge plans to run for Congress? I don't know. He has a thing about repeat offenders. Are they offering any plea? Not yet. They're going to finish up this morning. I will be moving for a directed verdict. How psycho. Oh, don't ask. Hey, where are you going? Meeting. She took a tobacco case. What? I agreed to a meeting. Rebecca. Why is she so salty? I, I need to know why she's so fucking salty me? about that. Scott said pick a body. You're not still seeing Donald, are you? No. She's seen him in his in her dreams. No. I can't let this Herrick guy walk twice. He completely suckered me last time. I'll completely sucker you. Come on! Ten. Uh, Oh, no. So what do you say? Hashtag me too soon. No. No, hold on, hold on. No, you have to sing this song about your regrets of saying that. I feel really bad, cause Keith's really mad But I won't take it back, cause I wanna get her in the sack This is a better podcast Duly noted Like the team Yeah Lindsay, I can't just oh, double check it's, e- it's Egon. It's old friend Ed Herman, student of mine, who, who played Egon on the in the Ghostbusters the movie. Sick. He could be. He, he, he definitely could be. did not. You don't want this case to come to trial. It'll bring attention to the fact that tobacco companies specifically target teenagers. Lindsay, All they do at that firm is drink tea in really fancy tea. saucers. You certainly They're can't expect me to make an tea. offer on it. However, I mean, they better go somewhere different with this because it's this is literally the same scene. Yeah, it is. I can make an offer to you. A job offer. Sorry? Come work here. Oh, you called it. Professor. Don't tell me the headhunters aren't calling. Your reputation is... Well, let me put it this way. 
It couldn't be more opposite to the one enjoyed by your firm. My firm has a pretty good track record, Professor. Track record goes with wins and losses. Lindsay, at the end of the day, you are going to wake up and ask yourself, what have I been doing? Okay, he's not wrong. She's been back and forth about what they're actually doing as public defenders or as uh, defense attorneys. She's clearly right. not making a ton of money there because there's so many litigators. Uh, I feel, and she's she she had to in order to get her money, she had to represent drug dealers. What's the difference between right. going to represent big tobacco and the places that the, and drink fancy tea and make more money? What's wrong with that? Well, I mean, I would make the argument that big tobacco kills more people than all the serial killers that they do combined. Plus, all of the people that they are defending are entitled a defense based on our system, and that they are they're there to be the the other hand of justice that you need to ha you know in order to have a fair system, both sides have to be represented, whereas what the tobacco companies are frequently doing are trying to subvert justice and uh yeah no i I would definitely represent a murderer before I would work for a tobacco company. Okay, well, there you go. Cut to John Larroquette with another lover with a butcher knife in his heart. Exactly. So, a, so much Criminal more fun. Law but might be wait, stop it. We have kind to stop right now. We have something shortcut. so important to talk about. I was doing some stats this weekend. We, at this exact minute, have now recorded 48 hours of podcast. Well, Keith, you know, they say in a kidnapping that the first 48 hours is the most important. So now that we've surpassed 48 hours, <laughs> our dignity will never be found. Yeah, I mean, it's you definitely have to be presumed dead <laughs> at this point. Litigation you practice might even be fun. But at the end of the day, when it's all over and done, you go home with your own legacy. You're not going to be proud of yours if you stay in that firm. And I don't think I really have to tell you that. I came in here to talk about a case. Well, on that, you'll certainly get nothing. What if she was like, listen, as part of the deal of compensation, will you bang me on the office couch? Will you move the pizza box and bang me like my other boss? Don't make me call you thirsty again. Don't make me do it. When it was I uncomfortable arrived, before, was and it'll be uncomfortable again. And a victim. There's Trap Thursdays. Did he tell you anything? No, I did not. <laughs> and then what happened? We placed the defendant under arrest. Welcome back, James Pickens. You made an immediate arrest, detective. You didn't wait to investigate. You read this man as rights, you slapped the cuffs on him, and here we are. And? What physical evidence do you have? We have his fingerprints on a murder weapon. Well, the murder weapon was a kitchen knife. In his own kitchen. It would seem. You didn't have anything else? Nothing else at all? We have knowledge that the man killed his last lover with a knife. And that figured into your thinking here? Of course it did. He plunged a knife in the chest of a lover, killing him. We find him in a room with another dead lover, a knife stuck in his chest. Despite what you've heard, we're not dopes. We're the dopes. What happened in there was good, Joey. What? Good. We lost. What was the goal, to build character? We knew he'd find probable cause, but we set up our motion to suppress perfectly. Suppress? What are we trying to suppress other than the illusion of intelligence? We're trying to keep out of evidence the fact that you killed before. If we don't, 
Can you? I feel like Joey would be ahead of this. I, he wouldn't Can need to be talked. Suppress it. Like he would understand this. We're gonna try. We just served our audience by explaining that. Yeah. Buddy. Fancy meeting you here. So, uh, I guess it's okay to be on opposite sides now, huh? Well, no conflict this time. Guess not. That went well. At this point, Your Honor, I would move for a directed verdict. The government has failed to establish any effect on commerce. There is no burden on us under the Hobbs Act to prove an actual effect. You want me to read the law? Stop with the word games, counsel. Word games? The law is a word game? I am losing patience. What is his United deal? States yeah, I know, he's got a, he's got a stick circuit, up his ass not with her. First. Government failed to demonstrate the defendant's conduct was reasonably likely to affect interstate commerce. Your motion is denied. I am losing my patience. Yes, you've made that very clear. The hell with patience. You've lost your mind, and that hasn't slowed you down. Prison cell. Yep. That's clearly a Trump appointee. You have to drop it. We can't afford it. Did I say I wouldn't? Well, what do you mean you can't afford it? You just took a million dollar just... retainer. <laughs> Look at this. Motion to produce. In response to any studies involving smoking and cancer, they claim work product. Market research studies, attorney-client privilege. Uh, give me a break. They've produced nothing. Gee. Well, Hold on. At least I try. Conspiracy theory. I think... Rebecca the Cricket is in the pocket of Big Tobacco. They paid for her haircut. They paid for that nice right? sweater. That is very like her clothes budget just went through the roof. Rebecca, is that a fancy saucer and some china on your? Have you been drinking tea, Rebecca? Have... <laughs> Where'd you get that tea set? Oh, I thought that was you playing the piano what? for a second. <laughs> this is what we go with. What? Nothing? Let's draft an ex-party motion to compel and file an amended complaint naming Finley Hogue. The law firm? And Pearson personally. You can't amend this late. They'll hit you with abuse of process for just trying. I just want to get their attention and leak a copy so they'll be sure to show up. Lindsay, what are you up to now? Nothing. That's our case. Has Rebecca been going to night school? I think she'd be a well, I mean, she's getting coached by Philip Morris. Goes to show modus operandi. The final test has to be, is it prejudicial or not? And we know that it is. If he goes to claim self-defense, or that's some kind or is that of against mistake. Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? My client wouldn't get a fair trial if the jury learns that he killed his last lover. They'd automatically think that he killed this Let's guy. Let's give the jury some credit here, shall we? More than your detective? Judge Detective McGrew said himself, he made the arrest because they knew that my client had killed before. That was his testimony at the probable cause hearing. Your Honor, the fact that What is are... your defense theory? We haven't decided yet, Judge. All right, if the defense argues he accidentally stabbed the victim, I will allow evidence of the prior stabbing. Otherwise, that evidence will be inadmissible. Your Honor, it should be admissible. I have made my ruling counsel. You yeah, can see, set pre-trial schedules and conflicts. I don't adjourned. think that uh, James Pickett, uh, Detective Mike McGrew, would have walked into that. Because, like, clearly, when you have somebody who has been accused of murder before, the first thing you do is get in a big fight about whether or not that's admissible in this murder trial. And he just sort of walked in there and handed them, you know, a... a suppressing that evidence on us on the silver tea plate from the tobacco company 
Mm-hmm. I don't buy that. Yeah, we're doing. I'm feeling a lot of writing backwards in this episode. <laughs> yeah. That was big. All they really have now is the fingerprints. I like it. She is a nasty little snack treat, isn't she? Wow. Snack treat? I, I wasn't trying to affect commerce. How many handbags do you think you've snatched, Warren? How many times I've been arrested? Four. Four. Five, counting the one I gave back. He's right, patted man, himself on the back. Lie to this jury. Yeah, and you he's flirting handbags. with the jury. And but I have never, to say, ever, this ever feels way too to similar to Teddy Maynard, the one-legged guy from Dog oh, yeah. In handbags. Like, like he didn't get that gig, and when he got this gig, he's like, I'm going to show them. Right, well, it's just like they had one more scene <laughs> written for that episode. They're like, I'll just copy-paste it into this, because that was really clever. I just, you know, there wasn't time. He also portrays his character as if he has absolutely no aware of what the stakes are in this. Yeah, know. 20 years in prison. P.S., it looks like there's a picture of Jimmy right. Carter on the wall. Huh? No, that's uh, the judge. He has a framed picture of himself? What is he, Joey <laughs> yeah. Herrick? You think you can steal from people and get away with it with a wink and a smile? My personality's my best strength. Well, try to let this sink in. We have a judge who is trying to set an example for repeat offenders. At every turn, he is steering that jury to find you guilty. If you go to prison, look at me. If you go to prison, your bunkmates, they're gonna find you really cute. Gross. You're a good kid, Warren. I want your life to be over. But if we lose here, it is time to play grown-up. Actually, I think it's I think we got a more than grown-up. I think you just no threatened anal rape to him. Can't they sure from the entry wound who did the thrusting? Not to a medical certainty. So Big Joey could be out on the street free to date. There's still forensics. We don't know what that's going to tell us. Thank God Bobby put back on his zoot suit tie. I've been waiting for it to make a return. That's true. I mean, it's not. is it really a tie if it's not eight inches wide? Oh, shit. You're right. You got his attention. Anderson Pearson, the tobacco lawyer, just She's walked AKA in. A.K.A. Rebecca's side piece. Is there somewhere we can speak in private? Oh, maybe they're dating. Mm. Maybe that's what it is. He knows how to make those crickets' legs sing. No. No. Boo. Come on. It's like a, it's like a, a cricket joke. No. On what basis do you sue my firm? Or me? On the basis of a hunch. You're hiding documents, or you're helping your clients hide them. We could settle right now, make it all go away. Lawyers are expected to fight the good fight, but to stoop to something like this. We just offered you a job, man. This morning, I was trying to persuade you not to become something that you've clearly already become. What I've become, Professor, is somebody who doesn't quite trust you. When you or your firm claim you have no studies concerning smoking and cancer. If you had read our responses carefully, we claim to have no discoverable studies. Meaning what? They're protected by attorney-client privilege? I don't think so. You think you really know what it's like to go up against the tobacco industry? Yeah, she did it already. Your clients like to bully anybody who dares to sue. <laughs> yeah, literally. You won't be bullying me. I'll be in court personally to respond to your motion. 
Then this doesn't have to be goodbye. Oh, snap! You got Jimmy! Damn, the sack on her! I'm disappointed. Figurative sack. That is a figurative sack, Keith. <laughs> now, at this point, I'm going to edge towards the Rebecca side of the office. Like, okay, maybe we'll try to get it, win a settlement for this lady and her and her addicted son, who doesn't appear to yeah. be sick in any way, shape, or form. But now we're going to sue a huge law firm who represents Big Tobacco for just... I mean, the kid smokes. It's no, not like the well, cancer the, cluster the where suit, there were sick people. No, the purpose of the suit is to get access to all of the studies that the tobacco company have done proving that they knew it was harmful and addictive and that the only way they can get access to that information is through the law firm who has been hiding that information by saying it's attorney-client pri client privilege. So their purpose is to unlock that information, which interestingly in real life is how they got i believe is how they got access to all of that and got the enormous settlements in the late 90s i will say that that at least is more interesting than just the big the david and goliath story her going up against her ex-professor because they might be doing something shady proving that they're just as shady i think is that's compelling see i pulled you back from rebecca's side the day of the 15th about seven hours before he was killed miss gamble Tell me oh, exactly that lady's brooch is pretty nice, too. Basically, that over the last three weeks, Mr. Herrick had been subjecting him to mental torture. Guy's threats. He kept telling him, for example, he should have a physical. That he looked like a man with impending heart problems. Heart problems? Chest pains. Marty thought these were veiled threats to his life. Can't testify, right? That would all be here. For the record, no, that was Lee Chamberlain. It all gets Dr. Doctor patient communications. Joey, he went to his psychiatrist that very day saying he thought you were about to kill him. Cry, baby. You have to think, plea. <laughs> Absolutely not. You can't. Bobby, Bobby, it is one witness. Juries don't like psychiatrists. It's going to take them more than one witness to make their burden. This is how you practice law. One setback and you're ready to give up. Keith, I'm sensing an oopsie toopsie. An oopsie toopsie? Yeah. Nothing he said can come in. I have the right to confront my accuser, do it's I not? It's going to come into evidence. We have to think about a possible insanity plea no. here. No, Joey. No, I am not going to plead insanity. I threw that out as a joke. I will not go into that court. Shut up and listen to me. Never shut up, Bobby. We don't have to make any decisions right now. They just stood up there but and I you see just how tall John Larroquette so is. Options. Almost 6'5". A big dude. And I just talked over the big line that made them all talk, be silent for 45 minutes. Psychiatrists you used to see. I need you to authorize him to speak to me. I do not appreciate stunts, Ms. Dole. Your Honor, look at their responses to our motion to produce documents. We asked for studies which go to their marketing strategies, advertising. They claim they're protected by attorney-client privilege. 
Much of their decision-making process involved meetings with lawyers. That's just a sham. This goes on with their studies on addiction, too. They have their lawyers supervise the research. So if any of the results come back bad, they can conceal it, claiming privilege. What evidence do you have that this is going on here now? Evidence of common Dan. sense. You don't hire attorneys oh, to do call. your science. You don't hire attorneys to develop it's advertising campaigns. so blurred, campaigns. it's almost non- Your Honor, she's visible. asking you to obliterate the privilege between lawyer and client. This is a sanctity. Which shouldn't be abused. And so I should give you these documents just because- You I'm... don't have to give them to me. Appoint a special master to do it, or do it yourself. You look at the studies. If you think they fall under attorney-client privilege, I'll take your word for it. I won't take his. And- this is a ridiculous fishing expedition. I would ask your honor to take judicial notice. Whose judge are we going to take their word for it? This is an interesting one. I I, I went deep here. Oh. That is James Karen, who you would know on screen from Return of the Living Dead, Mulholland Drive, Poltergeist, Seinfeld, Congo, Apt Pupil, and Larry Sanders. He's been working since 1948. But, continuing our theme, he has done 13 Broadway shows, including the original production of Who's Afraid of Virginia mm. Woolf and the 1974 revival. He was in the original cast of Streetcar with Brando, Jessica Tandy, Kim Hemter, and Carl Malden. Later, continued with the show with Uta Hagen, Jock Palance, and Anthony Quinn. Jesus, what a cast on Murder that. And, uh... So Streetcar with Desire, it made me remember, I saw the Gypsy Run of that in 2005 uh, production with John C. Riley, Natasha Richardson, and Amy Ryan. Was uh, was really fun. You... Uh, but no, no surprise there's so many Broadway folks in this cast with the Broadway director. All right, let's see what the special master decides. Of the disreputable stunts employed by her firm historically. Stop attacking my firm, Professor. All right. I am dismissing the complaint against Mr. Pearson and his law firm. I see no foundation. As for the matter of the document production, I shall take that matter under advisement. Adjourned. Big uh oh face from Egon. Fake Egon. Fegon. <laughs> Eight years. Yeah. That's their final offer. For stealing a bag? Warren. Well, stop stealing shit, Warren. My recommendation. You might want to take it. And I might not. Well, obviously, things aren't going very well. If we lose that judge, he could hit you with 20, Warren. Don't lose that judge. Yeah, thought it was all fun and games, Warren. 20 years. He'd never serve 20, though, right? I am no. just afraid of the judge slapping the maximum. Do you have a beat on the jury? Not really. And I wouldn't rely on them being sympathetic. I mean, he is a thief. No problem with a plea, you'll waive your appeals. And with this case, you've got some. Especially with... Keith, what do you think the etymology is of... Do you have a bead on? A bead on? Oh. So, like a slingshot or something? I th I think it is aiming. I think it's it's like aiming a rifle. Mm. With that judge. You think I should go to verdict? I would. Dan. It is just so unfair. They are using him to make a political statement. Yeah, welcome. Argue At that. least we don't do that anymore. 
have to understand something. Joey Herrick will never let you argue insanity. Oh, here, I have Maybe an answer. Not, but I can... uh, the bead in the phrase, get a bead on, is referring to the bead on the end of the gun with a bead iron sight. Ah. Ha! I was, I was right. So, no. like, apparently that's, like, what Definitely the little sight not. had a bead on it. He has a narcissistic personality disorder. Aside from needing to believe he's sane, he needs to believe he's smarter. This is Joey's therapist, played by Frank Converse. Haven't you experienced that? Oh, yes. Uh, And this um, disorder, do you consider him mentally ill? Very, though is he insane under the McNaughton rule? No. He knew what he was doing when he killed those men. In fact... In fact what? Well, look at how he did it. This is a brilliant person. Genius. If he wanted to plan the perfect crime in order to escape suspicion, he could probably accomplish it. Instead, he kills with no alibi. He's the only one in the room with the victim, his prints on the weapon, and he invites his lawyers over to see his kill like a cat with a dead mouse. It's as if he commits a crime where it's impossible not to convict him, and the game is still getting away with it. Which feeds into his narcissism. Exactly. Which makes him so Deeper much fun. The, hole, the greater the euphoria of climbing out. Why? Because he needs to feel he's smarter than anybody else. I told you, no. First, hear me out. Legal insanity for the purpose of a trial. No. You considered it yourself. You said it was in jest. It's too desperate. No jury is going to believe I am insane. Joey, I can't win this. I'm looking at the facts. Now, I get everything that his his therapist just said, and it's great for the narrative, but the truth be told, isn't it... He's still not really him. It's not really him getting away with it. It's in conjunction with Bobby. I mean... Although, I, def- I would... I, okay, the first time, it was his last switcheroo that saved his ass. But this time, it's yeah, much more well, dire. I mean, I, he's... He's getting he's not getting away with it without help, but he's clearly like murdering somebody and concocting a situation by which he's not held responsible. So like Listen, I'm telling you I cannot sort win of this. getting away with it. Then maybe I should find another lawyer. Yeah, maybe you should get out of this one, Bobby. Maybe you should. Find your fire, beat it. easy yeah boy you know I don't, I don't even know why i should care about you you killed two people and it shouldn't really bother me if you go away forever but you're so goddamn funny got you this far joey you really want to keep going of course he does i mean he did this on purpose you go way back <laughs> On Slow what basis fade. do you wish to withdraw? On the basis that my client fired me, Your Honor. Mr. Herrick, are you citing grounds for the discharge? Yes, Your Honor. Last night, Mr. Donald informed me that he's a lesbian. <laughs> Mr. Herrick, from what I've learned about you, you might play this little game in perpetuity. You'll hire and fire your lawyers until it'll be years before we get to trial. I'm ready now, Your Honor. I just wish to represent myself. Yeah. Uh, no, but yes, if I keep this is what people, I need. I figure They'll let me in hell anyway. Put this man back in custody. When you're ready to treat this forum seriously, Mr. Herrick, we can resume. Your Honor, no, please, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Listen, Mr. Donald wants to utilize an insanity plea. 
which I am opposed to. And despite no formal legal training, I do believe that I can represent myself better than any member of the bar. I'm ordering a psychiatric evaluation, and we'll do that today to determine competency. And I mean, possible, to be I'll fair, his formal training was playing a Louis lawyer Jerry. for 193 episodes of Night Court. Whoever I'd like to call in my co-counsel, Bull. It's <laughs> commerce by robbery or extortion. Crime has a direct impact on tourism. Tourism oh, wait, wait. is a form of com. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. For the prosecution. <laughs> Federal prosecutor. She doesn't have a name. <laughs> Whoever affects commerce by robbery or extortion. Crime has a direct impact on tourism. Tourism is a form of commerce. This man robs tourists. Simple. This simple law, the Hobbs Act, it wasn't passed to go after purse snatchers. It wasn't meant to target people who steal from tourists. The legislative intent of the Hobbs Act was to go after organized crime and other racketeers who extort politicians. And it is being manipulated here to go after my client. Why? Because the Commonwealth of Massachusetts wants a press release to convince all the tourists... I object. None of this was offered into evidence. I agree. Objection sustained. Counsel will not argue the legislative intent of the law. We have never heard an interruption or an objection from one of the closings. During the closing, yeah, and that's the law pretty ballsy. Is relevant? No, or it is normal. not. The jury will be instructed to follow the letter of the law. <laughs> oh, that look. As was admitted into evidence. My client pled guilty in state court and he received She's back to her square collar. The federal prosecutors can she win without the chair brooch to go after him. And well, here we are prosecuting him for commerce violations. Now, as a defense attorney, I feel the sting of all the attacks, the stunts that we resort to, the tricks to get the guy off, distorting the law to circumvent justice, all the little sneaky tricks that we play. And the poor prosecutors with those sleazy defense attorneys just using all those end arounds. And the poor judges who see their courtrooms just used as tools to bastardize justice. This would otherwise be such a proud, proud room. Wouldn't it? I think it's going to end in a fist fight between Eleanor and the judge. So to boil that down, Eleanor's close today is sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, she... Cameron sells it so well that you think that she's making sense, but I don't think I followed what she was trying to say. do this in chambers. Off the record... If either of you object, I can call in the Stano. I'm fine. All right. A All right. client privilege has always been sacrosanct. It has to be. And 
I pity the judge who tries to tear the lid off. But Mr. Pearson. Keith, true, true yes. or false? The Bad Out of Hell musical referenced not but, oh, 20 minutes ago includes the line, pity the fool. Oh, definitely true. Ding, ding, ding. You have swept everything under privilege here. Your Honor, because the tobacco companies have been sued, a lot of those studies have been triggered to fight off litigation. Now, those studies fall under privilege. Yes, you made that argument in court, and to some extent it's valid. But when lawyers start guiding the research... There's no evidence that's happened. There is evidence that other tobacco companies have used privilege to cover up scientific research. And judging from my review of this case, well, I have a strong suspicion that it's happening here. So strong that I am inclined to take a look. Now, Mr. Pearson, we both know that there is a crime fraud exception. So if you have been using your attorney-client privilege to assist the tobacco company in any sort of cover-up, the consequences will be severe. Your Good performance from both Karen and you. Yes, I agree. Now, I haven't made my ruling yet in this case because the issue is so complicated. And I know that any ruling against you in this matter, I am sure, will be appealed to the millennium, given the stakes. So, my suggestion here? Why don't you two try to work it out? Here comes the money! Money, 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 money! 75,000. Times 10. Oh, please, you can't even show damages. The damage here will be yours. You can't risk letting that judge see some of those documents. It's now 10.15. I'll be at your office at 3 o'clock. If you don't have a check for 750,000, it'll go up to a million. Think that's a bluff? Your prerogative. But what we just heard in there, that was no bluff. Three o'clock. Yeah! Boom! I'm giving her... Now you're I'm, not on Rebecca's I'm side. I'm giving her the oopsie now. I'm gonna ask you a series That's swag. of questions. Some will be... You hear this? Thunk! I tried to do a sound effect on my desk, but it didn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do this whole, like, that's Lindsay's dick hitting the ground, but... Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm just gonna... I'd Good. like to I'd like to formally retract that from the record. <laughs> the the sound you're looking for is flop. Oh, yes, yes. Zip flop. Oh my Maybe god. I'm looking to determine whether you fully understand the criminal proceeding which you are about to encounter. Do you understand it? Joey, do you want to be judge competent or not? We've only got 8 minutes left, Keith. Do we see this trial now or next insane. episode? I could plead insanity if I wanted. Not that I will. But only if this little button finds me competent. Should I understand the criminal justice Little system, button Mildred? played by, by Darlene Cardin. Why did you kill this Marty person? You can't ask that. That's right. That's not appropriate for a competency hearing. But I'll tell you. If I killed him, it was because I loved him. Either that or because he was gay. Joey. What can I say? God spoke to me. He said, get rid of the homos. He said he'd been trying, you know, with the AIDS virus, but with AZT slowing things down, he said, Joey, get in there, give it a stab. Aren't you gay? Yes. But if 
I killed myself first, that would sort of limit my tally. <laughs> it's verdict time. The defendant will rise. For Eleanor's case. The jury has reached a verdict. We have, Your Honor. Please state your verdict. Did, did she sarcasm them out of this? Versus Crookshank on the All right, wait, pause, pause. Congress. We have to do our... Okay, so, Mr. Indeglio, two questions. One, if you're on the jury, guilty or innocent, Well, and what do you think the show is going to do? I don't know. I think I think they proved a case here. I think he is guilty. I mean, they didn't really show a lot of correlation between commerce and all that stuff, but that's what this is specifically about. Ryan? I, 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 th I say he's guilty. Fair. Yeah, I mean, you know, if what's really on trial here is the law or the application of the law, not necessarily what he did or didn't do. It's whether or not you think this law is... Or like, the law itself might not be shitty. Applying it over this minor a thing is what the show is saying is shitty, and I agree yes. with that. But from the standpoint of the of what the jury is saying, he was targeting tourists. Yes, and I, what they haven't made clear is... Is the jury... Does the jury have any... Um, agency in the in the compensatoryness the, the compensatory nature of the the uh you mean in terms of what what his how much time yes. he serves no uh, yeah I don't so that's tricky so. that's tricky by threats or violence pursuant to title 18 subsection 1951 we find the defendant warren crookshank not guilty oh <laughs> Sarcasm for the Good win, job, Eleanor. The jury is dismissed. We're adjourned. Yeah, just gonna stare down this judge. That stare down was not great. She's not done. Oh, she went right up. Your Honor, given the risk of saying this, I brought my toothbrush. That jury just brought some integrity back into this room, and as an officer of the court, I would ask that you would let a little of it rub off. Boom. Now, Bobby's firm has not really earned the the street cred to be uh, laying down officer of the court justice. So uh, <laughs> it, it didn't last episode. They have uh, they they hire a guy to sit in the back of the room and, 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 and look, look mean. Like he murdered <laughs> yeah. somebody. I mean, let's let uh, George Bush Senior off the hook here. Figon is pissed. Yeah. Do you have the check? Sit down. Please. Would you like some tea? Yeah. As I look at you, as one of my law students, I feel that I have failed as a professor. The practice of law is more than just getting acquittals or monetary awards. It involves respect for the bar, dignity and conduct, suing law firms and attorneys personally as a means of strategy. 
There's nothing noble in you. You're covering up for the tobacco industry. Noble. The fuck over yourself. Come on, Lindsay. Take kick him in the dick. Get out. Do it. Dick. Kick. Dick. Kick. Kick. Dick. Dick. Kick. Workshopping it. <laughs> She's gonna have a witty retort. Come on. My firm defends murderers, drug dealers, on the theory that despite the crime, everybody gets his day in court. But we never, ever facilitate murder, Professor. We never help people to kill. You're paid over a million dollars a year to help a corporation conceal the truth that they poison people. A corporation which aims to get 14-year-olds addicted. A corporation that still, in third world countries, doesn't even print warnings because by law, they don't have to. Three million people a year die from smoking and you play your part. Let's meet up at the end of our days and compare legacies. Boom! Keith, did you hear that thwop? <laughs> that was both a mic drop and her big-ass dick hitting the floor. All right, the court psychiatrist yeah. has serious questions about you, Mr. Herrick, but she has nevertheless found you competent. Satisfying conclusions to two of our three cases. Indeed. If you choose to represent yourself, this court should not prevent that. Though it is the recommendation of this court that you don't. It remains your wish to serve as your own counsel? It does. Very well. Mr. Donald, the court orders you to stay on as counsel to assist Mr. Herrick, should he choose to consult you. Your Honor, I don't think that's... I made my ruling. He can represent himself with you as backup. Adjourned. They can make you do that? Or win or lose. Won't yep, this sure can. Helen. I'll need all the inculpatory and exculpatory reports in my cell by morning. The sooner I get your witness list, the better. And it's my understanding that you occasionally sleep with the opposing counsel. I will be first chairing. Mr. Herrick, wow. I'm thrilled you've decided to represent yourself. Your little joyride is over. She's delicious. Oh, please. Promise me this. Whatever happens. We all come out as friends. <laughs> God damn, he's great. <laughs> Tell me you're not pumped for next so episode. Pumped. Hey, Warren. Hey, Eleanor. Uh, I bought you a gift. It's gonna be a purse, isn't it? It ain't much, but... Uh, it better be. Well, I just wanted to say... Uh, I don't exactly pay you big fees, and... We don't even know each other that good. And all my smart assing. I just wanted to say I never had anybody fight for me. Like you did. And I'll never forget it. How about I don't need to get a present, just stop stealing fucking hand purses. Never. Gotta say though, that's a hell of a line reading by Sean Michael Howard. It is. Unfortunately, John Larroquette's in this episode. It really is unfair, but that was some real good Just work. I wondered why I put up with it all. Just stuck me on. I gotta stay on the Joey Harrod case. Bobby. I just want you to know, this is the best law firm I know. Well, let's not overstate it. Thanks. I mean, she had a good day. It's beautiful. What is it? 
It's a handbag. <laughs> it is a handbag. <laughs> <laughs> Which he clearly stole. Someone else's ID is in it. <laughs> uh oh. Got half a pack of gum in Fake here. Fake Egon is outside. He is shaken to his core. What if he stepped in front of a bus? Right here? <laughs> I thought a shadowy tobacco figure was going to come out and talk to him or something. It's going to be Rebecca with her light carton of cigarettes. And he walks slowly into the distance. Okay, how pumped are you for next episode? Joey's going to represent himself. Dude, that's going to be great. And Skylar. Oh my goodness, yes. Okay, well, there is a lot to unpack in this episode. And uh, we have some, actually, some difficult decisions to make. Starting with... Well, it's not Bobby, because he got fired. That's true. I mean, we have to have a conversation about that as well. But I think, I think, I mean, two dick drops in one episode, Lindsay Dole, most valuable lawyer. Yeah, no, and you know, in terms of who had the biggest impact for her client, it's clearly Eleanor. But I just think in terms of... You know, again, taking another chunk out of uh, the tobacco company's, you know, control over the entire legal system, as well as taking in a good chunk of change. Uh, yeah, no, I I totally agree. I, I have to uh, agree with you and give the oopsie to our good friend, Lindsay Dole. While we're applauding, I'll say that, you know, it's it's rare we get to hand out uh, a be- most valuable lawyer and also be on the right side morally, be on the right side fiscally, be on the winning side. Right. And she took the case against, you know, the firm's better judgment for the right reasons. So, yeah, suck it, Rebecca. This is a happy... Rebecca the Cricket, you got nothing this no. week other than a good haircut. Beautiful haircut and a sweater for the ages. Sweater for the ages. Okay, good job with that. It's time for... Already the most anticlimactic one yet. Way to go! I think this episode will go down as, you know, one that had a lot of great runner-ups. Like you said. I was I was gonna say that. James yeah. Karen, great. Um I, well, and as I said before, I think Sean oh, Michael Sean Howard Michael had a yep. really good scene. I thought Edward Herman was really good too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 tough. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, all three of them would have been worthy of. It. And frankly, the uh, Richard Doyle yep. as the dickish judge, that you know, all of them would have been worthy in an episode that didn't. You know, uh, feature John Larroquette stomping around like a T-Rex chewing the scenery. Yeah, there's no scenery left at the end. Well, you know that age-old saying from the Dalai Lama? Don't work with animals or children? Well, that one's good. I was referring to the one, I believe it's loosely quoted as, 
The oopsie is not an award you can get when you share an episode with John Larroquette. Well done. I got to I got to give that to it. That was that was a that was a good poem. So congratulations <laughs> on your second oopsie of the season, Mr. Larroquette and I don't know. Does he have a chance for the triple crown wow, next week? The, we'll find the out. Oopsie troopsie. The oopsie troopsie. Very, very interesting. I, I can already anticipate the uh, the angry email from Tom Brady. Why <laughs> <laughs> John Larroquette gets, gets three. three. Right. <laughs> and the only person who listens to this podcast doesn't get one. <laughs> the fake award, which means nothing. <laughs> Keith, if we ever do a live, uh, if we ever do a live video uh, version, we're gonna have to uh, shell out some cash and get an actual oopsie made for the uh, the back shelf. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, someday when the uh, when the podcast has taken over <laughs> and uh, and we do our live episode at Radio City, we'll uh, we'll have to. I'd have, settle for Comic Con. How about Comic Con? <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to have some real live lasers. They're like, we won't need to give the them. We don't sounds. need to give them an exhibition hall. Just uh, put them in the broom closet with that guy who keeps saying he's Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> all right, it is Tom Brady. What else we got? Stop. Okay, all right. Hold on. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. All right. Now, I think for me, I think as far as performances go, the the people who had the most depth and breadth in this episode would be Cameron and Kelly. Those mm-hmm. are my nominees. Um, I'd like to hear your arguments for for both. Okay. Well, fair enough. I I think. I mean, yes. I think um, Cameron has a. She finally has like a real arc where she gets to really make. <laughs> um, you know, legal arguments and be a lawyer and not just be fighting with uh, Lindsay in the background. Yeah, actually, it's true. When they're not fighting each other, they're really good yes. lawyers. Um, you know, I I thought the dynamic between Kelly Williams and Fegon, um, we've now been taken through multiple episodes, mm-hmm. is really fun to watch them go at it and to watch her character. You know display the spine that she always has had but he keeps underestimating mm-hmm. um i really like that i you know i think the showdown between uh the judge and eleanor um well i'll talk about it later in the in the spare tires but like i wish that showdown were just written a little more clearly and a little better because it was like i can tell they're really mad at each other i can tell the judge is a dick but I'm not sure in what way he's being a dick. He's ruling against her, but I don't know what his agenda is. Right? There. Is he being insidious? Is he just a dick? Yeah. I mean, if if I were if I were writing this episode, then I would add the layer of the judge is up for re-election or he's running for something and had some involvement with the law and is over applying the law for his political gain, and therefore she can she would be fighting with him. That he should be recusing himself because he's a, he's attached to the law, and therefore you have a you have a moral argument where they're both coming from different places that I think are more understandable. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be my rewrite. Not an answer to your question. Uh, <laughs> I think between the two of them, 
Uh, no, I'm going to, you know, you, you do yours first. So, yeah, I, I agree that that did kind of muddy the water. I think I'm, you know, it's hard because I know we're trying to judge, just judge this episode, but the full arc of Lindsay's relationship with the professor from the first time we encountered him to see uh-huh. how she's sort sure. of dealt with some of her inner struggles and brought some of that timidness and sort of reverence to their first meeting, but then still decided she, it was subtle, but she made that decision that, you know what, I like where I work, I like the people I work with, I like what we're doing, and what we so rarely get in, t- in television is that cathartic moment at the end where she not only t- told him where to stick it, but why, you uh-huh. know? Like, yeah, you know, you sure, want to come sure. at me and say that that we're, we don't have any morals, but look what you're doing. And she really spelled that out. So that, on, on the flip of what you were just arguing or saying, that was written very well, I thought. I, I totally yeah. agreed. And well, and I, I mean, we're, we're, hold on. I'm going to say more about that, but we need, we need to make a call. Right, I think Kelly Williams also picks up, uh, she gets her oopsie toopsie tit this week, uh, winning for best lawyer and also for best actress. All right. But I, no! just to be difficult. I'm going to split it uh, and give it to half. Give give mine to Cameron and yours to Kelly, and we are going to have a split. Oopsie for best actor. I always wonder when we split right. it, who gets the ooh and who gets gets the p. Gets the ps. Mm-hmm. The ps. The ps. <laughs> yeah, well. that joke didn't go where I thought it was going to go. So probably for the best. <laughs> probably for the best. <laughs> yeah. No. That. Look, they're not all winners. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, not everything gets ten spare tires. How many spare tires this episode gets? Oh man! All right, we've been talking about sort of our the yeah. Our, why don't you finish? You feel like, I feel like you're ready to spin up on your soapbox. So go all ahead. right, all right, I'll, uh, all right. So as I mentioned before, I'm so happy to see Joey back. I love. Uh, him essentially writing himself into a corner yeah. of how can he get off, you know, having killed his second lover in the exact same way with nobody. Like I, 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 from a writing standpoint, I love giving yourself that level of a challenge and to have a character who is, who, you know, still believably that type of narcissism, like would believably set himself up into that, that problem. Um, I, I loved everything about, the uh the Lindsay story that you did um i really really liked her final statement which basically you asked me the question and she i should have just given her answer because her answer about why you do this why you go after the firm was so so good and really the distinction between facilitating and defending from the two law firms, I thought really resonates really well in that the tobacco law firm is facilitating people dying in the future and helping them, facilitating the continuation of people dying, whereas defending an act that happened in the past. And I think there's a really big difference between those two. And I thought that David through Kelly Williams there really made an excellent point in that. So those those two parts of the story I really liked. Um, as I said before, Eleanor's story, the 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 case was just a little muddy. Mm-hmm. I, I thought repeating um, uh, repeating the beat that we had with um, with Teddy Maynard, like trying to charm the jury, the minority suspect, trying to get away with purse snatching because he was charming it's it's a it it, i don't know like i i don't think we need to repeat that 
quite so copy-paste. Um, and my other tiny little nitpick was what I said before about um, the detective, uh, James Pickens Jr., like, walking into getting the prior thing dismissed. Like, that character has been set up to be smarter than that, and plus the prosecutors also would have prepped him on that and would not let him walk into that quite so brazenly. So I would have liked them to see uh, to him be a little smarter and to have Bobby have to outsmart him a little bit uh, more difficult, and that's a problem with having three, basically three A stories. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the end of that, I guess I'll go first because I just did a whole monologue. Uh, I still really was entertained by this episode, so I'm going to give it a full seven and a quarter. Oh, okay. Um, I think I'm... I The Eleanor story bothered me a little bit, I think, more than you. Only okay. because not only did I find... I'm searching for the point, and I'm not getting the point. I, I'm not yep. understanding it. I'm not understanding what point was trying to be made. It was like... Why we carried it over into a second episode, so it should have a little extra weight, and it didn't. I didn't feel that. I thought her clothes yep. was bizarre. I thought the thing with the judge should. I thought it was leading somewhere, and it just sort of didn't. Well, and it was it was a missed opportunity. If you're gonna throw Eleanor in jail twice, make it be about something exciting. Yeah, right. Make us at least understand the stakes, as opposed to like they just don't like each and other. And then his comeuppance is a. A verdict that I don't particularly buy. A and B, sh- she right. comes up to the bench and sasses him. It, it yeah. just it, it felt like they they thought there was going to be maybe he thought he was going to have a co-writer to help him out and and, and flesh that out and it didn't happen that for him. Well, it's like he got so excited to write Joey that he sort of like blew off that storyline and the tobacco. Like both of them are like so much fun to write. And he probably. I think you're right when you said sort of writing backwards mm-hmm. earlier, and he probably was like locked and loaded on Lindsay's speech and was so excited about it and coming up with zingers for Joey, which weren't quite as good as his zingers mm-hmm. earlier. I, I'm, I'm Something hoping tells me the next, next episode, episode he's going to be. Yeah. I, I, my hope is that. Well, let me finish up. I I'm not. I'm going to yeah, yeah. ding it a few extra points. I think, but I'm in the, I'm in agreement, but with your other points that you made. So I'm going to give it a. Of course, I'm going to give myself a math problem. I'm going to give it a 7.0. <laughs> so we're talking 14.25 divided by 2. 7.125. There you have it. 7.125. My big hope yeah. for next week's episode. No hands, Mom. No hands. All brain. My my big hope for next week's episode entitled Check Checkmate. Uh, just for the record, IMDb gave it a 7.7. So we rated a little lower this week. Yeah. Uh, next week, checkmate. My hope is that we don't blur the waters with other stories. Let's just give me all Joey all the time for an hour, and and see. Yeah. And hopefully that'll that'll work out for us. I'm I'm with you. I certainly hope. But you know, I am pretty excited for next week. Gonna have some more Joey. Although we're gonna be off for two weeks because you're gonna be in. Uh... Don't worry, fam. The show will continue weekly, but Degs and I won't see each other for another week. I and know a half. this is really going to build me some anticipation for Checkmate. So, uh, yeah, right. Either that, or you won't remember what happened at all. Also, potential. And then after Checkmate, when I'm looking at the air dates, they actually took two weeks off. So it, it all works out a little bit. It all works out. If you want to tell tell us that 
we that, that we need to work out. Wasn't a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. We are on Blogspot at Out of Practice Out of Practice Podcast.blogspot.com. See lots of pictures from the show and get the rankings. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on on Instagram. You should definitely check it out. Uh, I've been dutifully adding lots more uh, screenshots from the show. It- and Cameron, let us know what the chair's about. And most importantly, please send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com to tell me what the practice-themed name I should name my fantasy football team this year. I will use it if you send it. Ooh. Laser sounds. Laser sounds. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> this podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20.